HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network since 2009. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. I'm Allison Kane, and welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building consumer brands from the ground up. I love doing this show because I get to interview everyone from production gurus to marketing and social media mavens, anyone who can guide me on this crazy journey. This is the story of building Haven's Kitchen sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm joined by Katie Wilson, founder and CEO of Belly Welly, the wellness brand known for its gut health-focused snack bar. Belly Welly hit the ground running a few years ago, forming a community around IBS and other gut issues, bringing empathy and humor to an issue that affects over 70% of American adults. Today, the bars can be found online at Amazon and Hungry Root, as well as in retailers including Sprouts, Gelson's, Bristol Farms, HEB, Earth Fair, and others. Welcome, Katie. Thank you so much for having me on. I have been looking forward to this conversation uh, for the last few weeks, so I am so honored to be here and can't wait to chat. Yay. All right. So we have a lot to get to, but there's something (laughs) very pressing and very important to me that I need to just talk about for a few minutes. And that is your role as chief dating expert at (laughs) match.com. We'll get into CPG. We will get into belly welly. I promise I will not linger here too long, but I'm kind of fascinated. I I love a linger on, on anything dating. Yes. A, where did that job come from? How did your day-to-day look? What, what, how did, what made you, why were you chief dating expert? Like what made you good at that? So many things just like go stream of consciousness. Um, I'm always more than excited to talk about all things dating. It's my other love and it always will be. So I'm so glad we started here. Um, so actually the story is even juicier. Um, chief dating Mm -hmm. expert was, was my final role, but I actually spent about 10 years as a celebrity matchmaker. Um, (sighs) yes, that's a real job. I know it's like the next question I always get is what, that's a thing. Yeah, no, of course, because (laughs) no one understands. I get it. I just read that book. 
Curtis Whitfield. Yeah. Okay. Yes. They actually, this sounds so ridiculous, but they kind of have it tough when it comes to dating, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. So um, my quick story, and I promise not to bore everyone, but um, again, you know, can love a good excuse to talk about this chapter of life. But I knew when I was about 10 years old that I wanted to be a matchmaker. Don't ask me why. I was that kid with a notepad on the playground, writing out everyone's names and who I thought they should end up with. Um, So when I I didn't shake it, I I didn't forget about it. So when I graduated, well, actually, when I was in college, I went to my parents and I said, look, I've got to be a matchmaker. This is just, this is, this is a thing. And luckily I had really supportive, lovely parents who said, okay, I mean, this sounds pretty weird, but. Where does um, one go to study matchmaking? (laughs) Well, that was their question. Um, So every college or every summer during college, I would go to LA and I would intern for a professional matchmaker. I mean, quite literally, I would Google professional matchmakers in LA. I would call them and I'd ask if they could, if I could intern. And I'm sure I'm sure you're not Patty shocked Stanger? by the fact, well, <laughs> uh, we, I've signed my life away time and time again, so I will okay. read from names. But, but no, by the way, my daughter, just as an aside, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. My daughter dressed up as Patty Stanger three <laughs> Halloweens in a row because she was obsessed with the millionaire matchmaker. And she thought it was like such a funny costume because she was like so little and oh, I don't know that anyone's ever dressed up as Patty Stanger. I was just going to say, she has got to be a first. Yeah, but she looked fantastic and she had like her clipboard and her high heels and whatever. Anyway, so I... I am obsessed with that story and I might have to repeat that a couple of... Like, that's an amazing... That's an amazing... I'm story. sure I have pictures somewhere. Okay, so you interned in college. Um. Yes, I would literally Google professional matchmakers and call them. And I'm sure no one's surprised to hear that most matchmakers don't get calls from college kids asking to intern for them. So it was pretty much a yes. Um, Genius. So I did that for four, four summers and then walked away in the final summer thinking, I don't know, this just isn't what I pictured. Um, I, Mm. I loved the idea of matchmaking because I mean, it's, it's very, it's put simply, I just loved connecting cool people with other cool people. Right. And, and yeah, um, and that's not really what I was seeing. Um, mm. <laughs> I was kind of exposed to a, a different version of matchmaking. So I okay. went to go work at Hulu right out of school, couldn't shake my love for matchmaking, but at the same time was falling in love with startup and tech. Um, mm. I hit Hulu kind of during that time. And mm-hmm. so I was on the hunt for the right thing. And I found someone. She was building a matchmaking startup called Three Day Rule. And... Uh-huh. Her, her dream that. was to scale into a, I think it was 16 different cities and hire a hundred matchmakers. And that's exactly what she did. And I got to be right alongside her on that journey. So wow. um, it was a venture backed company. So I got to see firsthand what it was like to fundraise and fundraise uh-huh. under difficult conditions. Um, Talia fundraised both times while pregnant. So I got to see what that was like. And it was right. a female, female, um, it was a female company. So all of our matchmakers right. were women. So it was just, it was a really empowering, incredible experience. And we did exactly what I had always dreamed of doing, which was matching great people yeah. with other great people. Amazing. Um, and it was, you know, everyone from doctors, attorneys, and you name it. And then eventually right. I accidentally, which story for another time, got into matching celebrities. 
and eventually mm. split off and and started doing that. Um, you can imagine it's a it's a referral based business, so it's very mm. easy to like quickly immerse yourself in that world and um, loved it and lots of juicy stories, everything you can imagine that and you more. Can never tell. And then, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then one day I got a call and um, it was the CEO of Match and we had, we, we kind of made a plan uh, for me to move to Dallas and help in building dating products that single people wanted to use, which again, sounds so what simple. What is a but product? Like, what is that? What, what do you, yeah, what so is that's, a dating? The, the match portfolio is Tinder, Match, OkCupid. Um, it's oh, kind I of see. the Those easiest are the way products. to think about the match portfolio. Right. Yes, exactly. So, you know, oftentimes you get a bunch of married people, right? Heads down, focused on building these, these apps. Mm-hmm. And sometimes... It, it becomes easy to, um, or kind of the people on the ground floor are, are sometimes the most important people to talk to, right, in building these right. products. And so the goal was, hey, bring your knowledge of people and what they want and what's working and what, what are they frustrated by and help us build mm-hmm. better dating products. Um, so that's what I did. And it was so interesting. And we, um, we, we launched a lot of really cool features that probably everyone doesn't notice, but took hours and days and months to develop. But everything from chat features on the app to ask a dating coach, um, we got to help build that. And it was just, it was surreal and incredible. And yeah, I mean, dating is my favorite thing to talk about next to Belly Welly. And so um, today I keep a rolling spreadsheet. And if I meet a single person and they want to be on my spreadsheet, they go on my spreadsheet. And then every week I look at the spreadsheet and I decide if two people on the spreadsheet need to know each other. And then I'll send a cryptic intro. And it's totally for fun and for free at this point, but I'm just addicted to it. So I actually just matched three people last week. One was an investor, two, well, two of them were actually investors. Um, so it, it's just going to forever be my, my hobby and my passion again next to Belly Belly. That's amazing. And you know what I just kept thinking about when you were talking? I was thinking about how you could write a book basically comparing your matching experience to building a CPG product. Because basically everything you were saying is sort of the same. There's a problem, right? People who have the problem and people who are close to the problem understand it the best and yet are often sort of left out of the discussion it really is all about just giving someone something that makes them feel seen. Right. (laughs) Yes. I was going to say that's, that's what a matchmaker is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's amazing. And then, I mean, the not so amazing part was like, everything was kind of going along smoothly until you started having terrible digestive and gut issues. Is that the next part? It, you're exactly right, but this my my role as a strangely my role as a celebrity matchmaker played a big role in um, in me kind of coming to this realization that I was not alone. And it turns out many 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 people have gut issues. And what I mean by that is, about six years ago, I developed gut issues almost overnight. Like I'll spare everyone the TMI, but got back from Cabo, had a bout of food poisoning, and I just never really returned to normal. Um, wow. Just, all of a sudden I had food intolerances. Again, I wasn't hospitalized. I was, I was living life, but these, 
these gut issues just started to take up a lot of space in my brain every day. And all of a sudden I was kind of obsessing over what I was eating and what was going to hurt me later. And food started to become the source of anxiety. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to go tonight. What if I'm, what if I'm, yeah. my stomach acts up? What if I'm bloated? And it just, it just became this thing that started controlling my life. And just like anything that does that, right. You start talking about it with anyone that'll yeah. listen or that's what yeah. I did. And, um, it just so happened that a lot of the people I was talking to at the time were <laughs> celebrities. And what right. I couldn't believe was right. Many of these celebrities who, for those who don't know, um, most celebrities have access to unbelievable resources, right? They have live-in chefs, they have live-in trainers, they have nutritionists and dietitians and amazing medical care. So all that said, a majority of the of the female celebrities I was working with could still relate to this idea that their stomach always hurt. And then, wow. you know, it, not only was it them, it was my personal network. So I sent out a survey monkey one day because I was just so curious. I mean, there was nothing else other than just fierce curiosity driving this. Mm-hmm. And I was just astounded to to hear and see that 80% of my own female network reported having daily digestive issues. Yeah. And it was just this thing we weren't talking about, right? We were talking about our skincare routines. We were talking about clothes. We just weren't talking about gut issues controlling our lives. Right. Um, so yeah, I did, this came from a place of fierce curiosity. And then I just, I quickly became more and more obsessed the more that a, it started impacting my life, but B, I realized it was just, it was everyone. And this is the part that I love because, you know, I do some research before, but, you know, I was saying to you right before we started recording that, you know, in, in the world of CPG on LinkedIn, at least, you know, every six weeks or so, something is pronounced dead. Email's dead. D2C's dead. Retail's dead. Facebook is dead. Instagram's dead. TikTok's going to be dead. You know, it's like, and I find it so ridiculous, I guess, because I I'm old enough to know that like everything. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, my space is, is dead, but most of the time there's just a reason for every channel and a different purpose and a different reason why people go there and a different way that you interact with them. And they feed this flywheel. It's not that you know, I think people made the mistake in the last couple of years, and my listeners have heard me say this a lot, that they thought that they had a business when really they had cheap Instagram ads, you know? And I think what's cool for me, because I remember talking to Kevin um, from Emmy about this too, is you found a group of people on Facebook that just wanted to be seen, that just wanted to talk to other people and connect with other people and maybe help other people with solutions and look for solutions. And that seems to be what Facebook is really at this point about, um, which is really a beautiful thing. It really is. I mean, for all of the issues with Meta, they have created these communities of people, um, around issues that it would be very hard to to create community otherwise around something as personal and as, you know, kind of embarrassing, I guess, in a lot of ways as gut issues. Um, yeah. Is that kind of what you found? 
Yes, completely. I mean, I did. I wanted to say yes, yes, yes to everything you just said because I, I, I totally aligned on all of it. So, um, Facebook groups came into play for me in this period of fierce curiosity, right? Where I was talking to everyone, and I just was just I wanted to learn more. I was obsessed with, and it was also very selfish, right? I was trying to solve my own problem. And right. so I started camping out in these Facebook groups that were dedicated to words that had become important in my life, like bloating and IBS and gut issues. And um, I just, I started to participate in and observe conversations taking place. And again, it just further validation that this was huge and this was, and I was not alone, right? That I was not alone or I am not alone is what Facebook yeah. is magic for, right? It's like, they, that's that's the... That's the magic sauce in Facebook these days, I think, is just yeah. making people feel seen and heard and you're not alone. Yeah. And um, I mean, even when I was doing it, it still felt kind of old school to be on Facebook. But again, yeah. again, there was just this real community rally around it. So I thought to myself one day, you know, again, I think what helped here too, very candidly, is I had no visions of creating a business. This was just coming right. from a very authentic place. And yeah. so I think that's a caveat I put, right? It's like, if I, I wonder if I would have had the same result if I had had a business at this point and had a alternative motivation. I just don't know. I mean, but right. I didn't. And I was just, I wanted just to learn more and kind of uh, curate the community and foster community yeah. and probably like um, architect the community a little bit. So I mm-hmm. woke up a day and thought, why can't I offer a couple hundred dollars to some of these these admins that own these groups and um, pay them for what they built and take over the, the group. And so <laughs> I called her and I called an attorney and he was like, ah, that's not a thing. I don't think you can like, good luck right. do it, but you're risking. Right. I, mean, I can't even give you a document for that. So right. I did. I just reached out, had some really candid conversations with some Basically of these Basically for IBS on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> You and have I mean, your Tinder group, you have your, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And then we got, my Facebook's a weird place. I'll put it that way. Um, uh-huh. But, but um, they all had really interesting stories, right? And we just, we were able to connect and I was, it was really special. And a lot of them were excited to offload the group and kind of, you know, hand it over to the next generation of people looking to, to build community. And so I did, um, I bought nine different groups and, wow. um, and made sure they maintained their authenticity. And again, I didn't have a business at the time, so I wasn't selling them anything. I just was learning from them and meeting them and getting to know them and being a and part. Consolidating and consolidating them? Like, do you consolidate? I didn't do that. Them? I did. I consolidated right. a couple, but I didn't consolidate all of them. Again, right. the spirit was: I just want to put some parameters and kind of make sure this is productive as it can be, and mm-hmm. learn from this group. Right. And so dumping them all into one group didn't feel like the right, the right path. Mm-hmm. Interesting. This is really fascinating. I am one of the rare Gen Xers who has never been on Facebook. I, I, Ooh, I, love don't, that. I, love I that. don't even know what it looks like. But um, I do think it's fascinating. And, and I think it's interesting that you wanted to architect the groups I'm just kind of curious, like what bringing them under one roof, you just, did you just feel like there was like chaos and you wanted to bring order? Yeah. So, I mean, these groups are interesting. There are people who participate in these groups. I mean, there are people who I would, 
I would estimate give seven hours of their day to these groups. And so, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the 1%, but, but you know, these groups have diehards in them. And so, and I knew that, right. Cause I had been participating in the community. So I just knew Mm -hmm. that me coming in, even changing the profile picture on the group was going to rock the boat. And, um, you know, and then I also saw like unproductive things happening in the group. So I was like excited to clean up Mm -hmm. some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyways, that, that was the thinking is like, look, I want this to be the safe space that everyone has become dependent on, but right. I think we can even make it safer and more productive and, and help and more helpful for everyone. And then, you know, because I had earned that trust and credibility within the groups, by the time that I had visions of launching okay. what was called right. Ivy Simple, um, they were excited to help me and they were, they were on the journey with me versus, you know, Mm -hmm. I think what doesn't work, right, is buying a Facebook group and saying, look, I've got a product. Here's a discount code. I don't, I mean, everyone's just, everyone's too smart for that now. Yeah, the sniffer. I mean, it just doesn't work. It really, it is, it it is amazing. You can't, you can't hack these things, you know, Um, know. as much as there are people. Yeah, Yeah. you can't. So that thing that you called I Be Simple, which is not quite as good of a name as Belly Welly, no offense. No, it's terrible. It's painful. Um, <laughs> not terrible. It's just not Belly Welly. Um, was a was a cookie bar basically that like early stage that you guys were making at home. Is that is that what yeah, it was? So I mean, this- Story goes, I was in tears one night because I missed chocolate chip cookies. And this was on this gut journey, right? At this point, I was actually, too, taking pretty drastic steps to try to to fix myself, as I used to say. I was, you know, doing colonoscopies. I had done eight rounds of antibiotics, which 10 out of 10 do not recommend. I was, um, I mean, taking all sorts of kind of like experimental supplements, just anything mm-hmm. to try to, to, to fix myself. And... So I just had a low point and I was crying because I was like, I just want a chocolate chip cookie. I'm so tired of yeah. eating rice, right? Which was like my safe food at the time. And right. my husband went to the store and he called me, I think like 30 minutes in was like, this thing that you keep talking about does not exist. I'm trying really hard, but you, you know, you're telling me that you want this thing called low FODMAP. You want it to be gluten-free. It can't have soy in it. What? I, I mean, I, there's, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to fail you on this. I, there's nothing. And so he came back and then a couple of days later he said, look, let me try to make you this thing that you're, that you're craving. Um, and he tried and he failed. And I said, look, no, you just don't get it. Like this is, has to be so specific. And so he said, look, I'm going to make this a passion project. Um, we were living in Dallas at the time and we were dying to get back to California. So we had time and he said, I am going to work with a food scientist and I'm going to work with a dietitian and see if I can learn and just make you the perfect chocolate chip cookie. Mm. And so he did, he would zoom with them. He would get on phone calls. He would work on this in our kitchen at night. Um, we had a baby that I required 24 hour care. That's <laughs> yeah, so. a lot of love. That's a good match. It was. Oh yeah. Oh, I matched myself really well. And um, Amazing. he, uh, he just, he, he worked on this and eventually cracked it. So again, there's this idea of building a company still wasn't top of mind because I mean, frankly, I was really happy, right? I was like living my dream job. I was matching people and talking about dating and talking about bad first dates. Um, and so he made this and he was like all of a sudden making tons of these for me a week, probably too many, to be honest. I mean, I was living off these things. 
And I said, look, we should just share these with the community that we've built, um, see right. if they like them. And so I designed, I got some, you know, a designer like for nothing to help me design a package. And I created a, an LLC and um, got it printed from someone and bought a heat sealer and said, look, let's just, I'm going to put up a website. Let's see if people want these. And mm-hmm. we woke up to 884 orders. Wow. And so um, that became <laughs> our life like very quickly. Uh, yeah. in, in addition to what we were doing in the you know, as our day jobs, we would yeah. get home, yeah. we would put on hairnets and gloves and we'd bake till, like I said, we had an infant that required 24 hour care. So we would bake all night and then UPS would come, we'd take sleep shifts mm-hmm. and um, at the kind of somewhere in there, we moved back to California and um, our little California apartment became HQ. And so we, I mean, it's almost like, I can hardly look at pictures now because I have like, you know, PTSD from it, but yeah, our, like entire hallway and kitchen and our tiny little living room was just lined with U-line shelving and buckets of flour. My dad's a pilot. <laughs> he would fly in every weekend to help us do this. And it was just, oh yeah, it was nuts. All right. We are going to take a quick break and then we're going to leap from your apartment and the hairnets into what is now like a pretty awesome situation. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's home of heritage radio network. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City, Long Island, and Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. I'm back with Katie Wilson from Belly Welly. Um, Okay, so we want to get into all of the amazing stuff that you've done. I think your marketing has really taken the cake in the last couple of years. There's no question that you're just, you know, cranking along. Um, I'd love to sort of go from how did it go from I be simple in your living room to belly welly in sprouts. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, the kind words. Um, and you, you know, it's a journey, right? With a lot of speed. Yeah, we're so, going to gloss over uh, a lot of giant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, operating our kitchen at some point, it just became very obvious that we had a business and it was a business I yeah. was real, really excited about running. Mm-hmm. So, um, we did the thing. And by the thing, I mean, we quit the job, we raised venture capital, which mm-hmm. was just the biggest, you know, to me, that was just, it was hard to even imagine doing that. And we did it. Um, and actually my, my, uh, my boss at match was one of our first investors. So that conversation mm-hmm. went well, but luckily, yeah. but, um, 
raise venture capital, which is, you know, almost another conversation for another time. Cause that, yeah. that steep, steep, steep learning curve, of course, but yeah. we were really lucky in that we surrounded ourselves with people who had done this a time or two. So people who yeah. had um, been in the space, you know, CEOs of retailers. So we just, we had a lot of help. And I think that th- that was a large part of what got us from point A to B for sure. Yeah. Um, and then of course we changed the name and credit goes to some of our early investors who came from smart suites, who sat down with me one day mm-hmm. and said like, look, we love it. Don't get us wrong, but I think we can do better. And like founder mm-hmm. bias kicked in and I was like, what do you mean? It's like the best name ever. I'd be simple. Hey, be, it's so, it? yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so genius. And they were like, I mean, let's just like, let's see if we can come up with something else. Thank goodness. They had that conversation with me. Um, wow. So change, change the name, raise venture capital. And again, I'm saying raise venture capital as if that happened overnight, big right. asterisks on that. It did not, right? That was a very long process. And then um, kind of the steps that took place were, hey, we've raised some money. We want to find a co-packer. So we skipped the commercial kitchen step and went to a co-packer, right. set up a 3PL. And kind of the idea was, let's launch a real business, the real business being Belly Welly, which meant mm-hmm. not out of a kitchen, out of a co-packer, out of you know, a real right. 3PL with the real corporate structure behind it. Let's launch that in March of 2021. Um, and that at that point, we will have raised money. We will have, you know, a plan. Um, and the plan was essentially a D to C. I mean, were that's you- what we knew. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, it was less, less of a thought out plan and more like what we knew was working right. for us at that point. Right. Um, yeah. So that's what we did. The goal was let's launch this March of 2021. And so everything felt like it was going according to plan. But then unfortunately, so I, I guess the other big part of this is I had been pregnant with our second baby um, this whole time. And I had been like, kind of just, it, it. you know, I was so focused on getting this up and going that it was just, my head was kind of not in it. And I was just worried about fundraising while pregnant because I had seen that go horribly before. Yep. So I really hadn't mentioned it. And it was just this, so unlike the first, right. And, um, this, uh, unfortunately the night before we were launching the business, my water broke, uh, about three months early. Um, um for those who, you know, don't have kids, yeah. that's super, super <laughs> premature. So, um, we had our little one, she was a one pounder. And then um, I unfortunately had a really severe complication. And so, um, Everyone turned out fine in the end, but it meant that we actually ended up launching Belly Welly from the laptop in the hospital. Oh my and gosh. we ran it from the hospital for, for many, I was there for a long time. So yes, we actually ran and operated it for, the, for, for a whole lap from the hospital. And um, my husband would, t- would go to and from production and we were trying to figure out the formula. And it was a really, I guess all of this to say, it was a really messy start. Um, Yes. But, well, mean, thank goodness, like, you're all fine. I mean, thank goodness. That's crazy. But this is not, you know, I mean, I think it is worth, you know, just pausing. You know, first of all, thanks for sharing that. I think that we're finally over the era of, you know, here I am and then I sold for a billion dollars era. Like I I think people are finally starting to acknowledge the challenge here. The fact that, you know, 
most of these things fail. None of us think we're going to be the ones that fail. If we did, we obviously wouldn't do the businesses in the first place, but it is, it is tireless. And, you know, someone, I, I was talking to someone about, you know, there's this like Billy Joel song and it's like, it's either sadness or euphoria. Like it's, Oh, like it's literally so, in one day. So appropriate, yes. And it's too catalytic for a lot of stages of life. It just is. It's not. It's not a healthy. It's not a healthy ecosystem to live in in certain circumstances. So, you know, I, I mean, I mean, fortunately now, I think people are being more honest. A again about and thank you for sharing. Like about the different support systems that we have, whether it's social capital, 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 you know, the capital that comes along with experience, right? Like everyone is now, I think, a little more forthcoming about, yeah, I had some help and I was fortunate to know X, Y, Z, which I think is helpful for people who are listening because, they, they're like, what am I doing wrong that I'm somehow I've pitched 300 people and no one's even taken my call. Yes. You know? Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, yes. So anyway, messy start. Thank goodness. Everyone's okay. But it went well. It, it went well. I mean, well, I should say like, again, loaded, loaded word, right. Um, right. Ask me on, on Monday versus Tuesday, right. Sometimes the answer is totally different, but no, it, right. it did. Um, you know, what What was nice, or I suppose what, what had been de-risked at that point, right, is that like so many amazing like CPG stories and founders, we had had a business, you know, right. the, like the, the at-home business. So we knew we hadn't, you know, poured our love and, and thought and, and energy into this experimental product um, right. We knew we had a product that people wanted. Now, where we totally went wrong um, was changing the product. So, I mean, we fell into that very classic trap of, right. uh, oh, you know, we had to make something for scale. So we uh-huh. had this product that we made in our kitchen that was delicious. And all of a sudden we were working with co-packers and yeah. formulators. They're like, well, if you do it this way... Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And there's some, tr- I mean, I, I mean, I now, now have enough hindsight yeah. to know, like there's, there's truth in both. Right. I mean, you, <laughs> you gotta have a business that actually makes sense, right. From a margin perspective, but we just lost sight of that. And all of a sudden we were launching this product that was no- nothing like our current product. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did that with that did not go well. So we, launched the bar the big change was that we had put stevia in we had you know gotten in our heads that everyone wanted stevia without asking i never ever have made that mistake ever ever again which is yep. probably why I'm too heavily into community feedback now but yeah, cause that's your um, that's your secret sauce like you are yes. in yeah. and of the community yeah. I, I mean i do I, i'm gonna interrupt you sorry for one second but please, it, no, it, i please, do yeah. feel like there's a there is a thread here that is like you know you live by the community you die by the community right these communities that oh, we build yes. they're really valuable and they and they're meaningful and we know that there are people who you know there's pull and we you know for the product and we know that we're serving a need and all that said they feel very much like owners of these companies and when we disappoint them 
they don't take kindly to it. So what was that like for you? I mean, how, when you say that part didn't go well and what, and you know, did it, what happened? I mean, my brutal, my brutal take on it was it was miserable. I was in the hospital trying to manage this. We yeah. had never dealt with co-packers before, which is another beast, right? We were like, yep. what is going I mean, it was just, it was beyond, I felt beyond overwhelmed at that point. Um, yeah. I mean, I was also just very candidly missing out on time, like probably where I really should have been present uh, with right. little ones. And um, we were trying to fix the formula on the fly. So I was getting you know, me notes from customers that were like, these don't taste good. These are nothing like I've been, you know, the product I've been buying. What, what did you do? And I mean, that was just such a fair question. Like, what did we, why did we do that? So we actually made a change, which doesn't sound impressive to anyone outside of CPG, but I think hopefully anyone in CPG understands, like we changed the formula on the fly on app production, which is so hard um, yep. to do. And yep. so anyways, we, we did that and thank goodness it worked. And we just, we, we got to a product that was much closer to our original product, but the first couple of weeks was terrible. I mean, it was, it was, the, the sales looked great because we had all the, all the right. support, but um, no one was happy then, with what they got. And so, yeah, yeah. So anyways, luckily we were able to quickly make that change and we were able to just bounce, bounce back really quickly, but the lesson learned, and again, it's probably why I'm too far in this direction now is you listen and you source, if you have a community, if you have a brand that was built by a community, mm-hmm. then you absolutely lean on them every step of the way. So, I mean, they designed, I actually mean they designed, they designed our packaging. They chose the color of our packaging. They chose yeah. the flavors that we launched. They chose the name. We surveyed them on five different name choices. They chose the ingredients that w- every time we consider a new ingredient, right. we sent out seven different email blasts. We posted on Instagram daily. We sourced the Facebook groups. We text everyone. We want to know. Um, yep. And people always are like, oh, that's so awesome. That's so great. But really, it's just selfish. I mean, in the nicest yeah. way, it's just, it's just, just amazing. Mark I just don't understand why you, yeah, like why, why we wouldn't do that. Um, right. Because without them, you don't have a business. So, right. Anyways, that was the one time we didn't, and I'll just, I'll never do that again. Amazing. So, I'd like to talk a little bit about your, you know, you've gone like big on your marketing. You know, and like case in point, right? The billboards, the TikTok, there's a Love Shack fancy partnership. Like those are big marketing splashes that tend to, I guess, if you lead everyone back to the D2C site, then that it makes sense, but sometimes people kind of keep those things in their back pockets a little bit until they have broader distribution. Um, so I'm just wondering, you know, how much of that has been sort of serendipitous? How much of it has been, we want to just really come out of the gate hard and be like the, you know, hot girls have IBS, you know, bar you know, what's been the sort of thought pattern there? Yeah. Great question. So the weird, unexpected thing about our brand, and it's like, we used to call it the secret about the world, right? Is that (laughs) 
about 80% of women in America have gut issues. So top of funnel marketing for us works because it turns out everyone, again, it sounds niche, right? And that's where someone would get this wrong. It sounds niche. It's, it's not. And that's why this, again, that's why this works. And so Mm -hmm. big top of funnel marketing has always worked really well Mm -hmm. for us because we apply to everyone, you know, in a strange way. I should, I keep saying women too. I definitely don't mean to exclude men at all. It just so happens that women are two times more likely to be impacted by gut issues. Um, And we almost at this point look at gut health as a woman's health issue. I mean, that's mm-hmm. extreme, but it's 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 how we begin to see well, it. It seems so, to be also correlated to so many other, you know, yes. endometriosis and PCOS, menopause, all of it. Yes. Yeah, even just you know your regular sort of period cramp time, right? Like, yes. So that yes. I, I think that tracks. Um, but yes, it is really exactly. interesting about the tofu. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. So it, it's, it's the, the other part of this, right. And then you touched on it. And I think, um, it wasn't, I mean, the, the billboard was a happy accident and I always wish I could claim that it was just super strategic and I had thought about it for months, but it was literally a matter of me driving down the street in LA one day thinking, gosh, billboards are so boring. Why are they all for watches? Right. And then thinking, why doesn't someone make billboards look cooler? And then third was like, why don't we put up a billboard? And then fourth was like, I just watched a TikTok video about that. And it was at the time of like the hot girls have insert destigmatized or a stigmatized subject, right? Like hot girls have acne. But no one's talking about IBS and IBS and hot girls couldn't be more polarizing. Like why don't we put that in a sentence and put up a big pink billboard? And then I got home and Googled billboard people. And called the first number that came up and said, I have a billboard idea. What do I do? And they laughed and they were like, I mean, we've never had this request before, but right. yeah, we'll work with you. People just saw Belly Minton website. Yeah. So I just, I mean, I had, when I say like no budget, I won't share a number here because I don't want to, I don't want this poor billboard company to get a bunch of people reaching out thinking they can get right. a billboard for this because I, I now realize I just got really lucky, but Um, I had no money and I said, look, I'll take any space in LA. Like I just give me the space. No one wants and I'll take that. And they, they said, okay. And we ended up getting a placement that was magic and everyone could pull over and take a photo in front of it. You could see it from 405. Um, and so we did it and I just, I almost forgot about it. I mean, that's, that sounds cavalier. I just, it wasn't Mm -hmm. this big strategic right. move where I was like, I can't wait to see what the billboard does. It was like, Oh, this right. is the thing we're going to try. And then we just woke up to just, I mean, chaos, right? Like I drove yeah. by the billboard when it went up and there was a line. I'll never, like it took a picture. I loved it so much. There was a line of about 15 people waiting to take photos in front of it. Right. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. And so it just worked. And so our, our strategy just became, we'll take remnant billboards and put up this campaign and it will work. That, right. that said, I am not a diehard out-of-home fan. I don't think, I mean, this is an obvious point, but I, I think most out-of-home ha- out campaigns probably don't work. We just right. happen to stumble into this out-of-home campaign that absolutely rips. Well, it also, I mean, I think to your point, you know, that if, if Haven's Kitchen put up a billboard and do a partnership, like we'd have no place for people to go and they'd be like, what? 
you know, and then <laughs> they'd be like, maybe we can find it in a store, but then they'd forget. Like there's, it doesn't connect, you know, it's got to connect. And we also, I think, you know, we joke about how we should just not even think about building awareness right now, except to just sort of like feed the people that maybe move out of the country that are already, you know, buying us. But in your case, it does make a lot of sense, A, because to your point, you know, your top of the funnel is a very large group of people. Um, it is a specific, in a way, it's like this very large yet specific psychographic, which is kind of cool. Um, and you also have a place to take them to actually buy the product. So it just, it, it makes so much sense. Yes. And it really helps to build the social brand that, that we have. Yeah. And then you also touched on something that wasn't the initial intent, but it has become, it has become more intentional is building a um, I, I hesitate to use this word because I'm a I'm a weirdo and I just believe there's room for everyone in CPG. I just don't look at it as a competitive. I, I maybe I should. No, but that's not how I'm looking at it. But I do. Yeah, but I do think that building a moat around gut health is important. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of it, then it became this kind of the secondary goal was part of our responsibility in building or part of our you know what we need to do if the goal is what it is, which is to build the single most significant women's gut health brand of the decade mm-hmm. is to make sure we are owning that space and yep. owning it from all angles. So anyways, that became a, an afterthought that's now become very important to us. No, I think it's, it's, it's killer. And, you know, that leads me to sort of, I had Will Nitza on a couple of months ago, I guess now talking about IQ bar And I think one of my questions is like, wow, bars, you know, big, big market. And he's like, well, you know, not when you segment it, like not when you really, you know, yeah. Okay. Is it a big category or there are lots of bars on the market? There are. And yet people are so very specific in the way that they shop for bars. Like he had me basically being like, we should make a bar. Like, I'm never going to make a bar, but like, it was the way it's an interesting category because it is so large. And yet, you know, people are shopping for the occasion, the time of day. Do they want it to be feel like a treat or do they want it to power them, you know, up? You know, it's it, like once you start segmenting, it's actually you are in a bit of a lead. I mean, I'm sure there are other quote unquote gut health bar brands, but you are owning it as far as I can tell from the outside. Yeah. I love this. I love this subject. So here's how we look at the category. We are bringing Mm -hmm. an incremental customer to the bar set. And by that, I mean, we are bringing a customer who has previously ignored the bar set. Um, Yeah. Cause they couldn't Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even more, even more than that is, you know, if you go look at the bar set today, a lot of the bars are marketed as meal bridge, mm-hmm. meaning they take the place of a meal or they can, or they're high, high protein. And that's great. I mean, I, there's a different bar that I consume for protein. Ours is not a protein bar. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it has protein in it, right. But that, that wasn't the goal. So mm-hmm. meal bridge to me has been done and it's been done really well by many people. Um, I don't, I think again, there's room for lots of, lots of success in the category. And I think there's plenty of amazing meal bridge options, 
But what doesn't exist is a snacking. It sounds ironic, but like the snacking occasion in the bar set is, is kind of absent, right? If you, it's, mm-hmm. it's not a snacking category. It's a like aggressive protein. Right. Um, yeah. You know, get the meal in. It's not a snack, right? Which is what a lot of people turns out want in a bar. Um, right. Two is it's alienated women and that sounds extreme and that's not something we came up with. That's a, that's a real thing that we've, we've kind of been able to prove out in lots of customer surveying research is um, it, it's in, again, they're high protein there. So there's a lot in it. Yeah. Right. And, and women especially report that they like this idea of like a light snack that doesn't yep. feel, we've heard the word aggressive, right? Just feels like yep. a um, a snack that will make them feel good, not gross. Or we hear a lot, We I don't want something that feels heavy. Right. And so um, there isn't really an option uh, in the bar category for someone with those wants and needs. So even aside from the gut health, health halo, just yep. that idea that there's just like this snackable thing that's not loaded with 20 grams or 10 grams of protein Right. It's not meant to be heavy. This is a fun, sweet, occasional, you know, midday snack. Um, it's exciting. It's interesting then, in a way because it's almost like the the pendulum swinging back from keto and that, you know, super hardcore functional functional, which has never really worked for women. I mean, I think more and more research is coming out that like the intermittent thing, super, super food oriented, the like load up on more protein than you're ever going to need super dude thing, right? It's the, that. Exactly. I, exactly. I see it. I totally that get it. That wasn't even That's obvious true. to me until we just started spending time with women and talking to them. So one thing I did is I set up a chair in a grocery store for 25 consecutive days. And I just sat at the end uh-huh. of the aisle and talked to women who came to the bar aisle. And, uh-huh. um, anyway, they, again, like everything, every, I keep learning at every stage of this business is they'll tell you, right. They'll tell you, you have your answers. Um, it's just going out and getting them. So, it, this, this, this was a working theory we had, and now fortunately we have data to support it is that we yeah. are bringing an incremental customer to the, to the aisle that would normally be skipping the aisle. I mean, and this so, is so cool. And your story is such a through line about just sort of like being incredibly curious all along the way. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking about the title of the episode as you're talking and I'm taking little notes. So this leads me into launching Target in September. That's a big deal. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, it's perfect for them. I would love it to be like in the beauty area, not in the food area. Just, Interesting. I don't know, for fun. Um you know, like next to that's an interesting idea. Things that are related to bloating relief. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. just a thought. They're never going to let you do that, but if you could do shippers or something like that, that would be really cool and just test out those secondaries. Just a little. That's a really interesting thought. thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, just because they are so, the brand just makes so much sense with that. You know targets vibe these days. Um, and so tell me, you know, the big learnings, the big watch outs, the, you know, basically target 101 for people that are ready to go. Yeah. I mean, 
goal number one is can't screw it up, right? <laughs> That's the goal that we keep saying is like cannot screw up target. Um, yeah. Beyond that, I think there's probably, you probably never feel ready, right? There's a lot of things you can mm-hmm. say about in life. I think launching in a, into a retailer is one of them, but I will say what we have done at this point is our customer homework. So we mm. built an internal team of what we call our belly besties. I quickly became obsessed with demos when I started this business. And I realized I that was going to be our path, right, to yeah. success. And it's not every brand's, And I totally think that, that it doesn't make sense for every brand. Right? It has to be the right product. It has to be the right margin yeah. and all, all the things. But for us, that became our path. And so I took that in-house and built up a team of about 65 belly besties. And mm. our belly besties are kind of our SWAT team. They can merchandise. They can get up a secondary placement. They can demo. They're just, they're, they're all, um, we, we kind of have a very specific personality profile that we hire for belly besties. So mm-hmm. we have demoed obsessively in Sprouts. Um, I myself did a demo a day for 65 days. So mm-hmm. I, I, and visited, I visited 200 Sprout stores, um, mm-hmm. in the first few months of ours launching just because I think, right. That like that just hearing from them and, and being in a store is yeah. the single most important thing next to improving the product. So yeah. anyways, I, I say that all to say that like, that is what we're going, we're going into target with our best foot forward on that front. We, we have brand new packaging for target that is so pink and so sparkly and so shiny. <laughs> and so I love it. And the, everything we put on that package came from the community and what they wanted to see on it. Um, we've made, we've spent, I would say 70% of company time and focus on, on just the product. So mm. we're putting our best foot forward in terms of product and then, um, marketing, which is my favorite part. Yeah. Um, we're, you know, this is our great excuse to do all the fun experimental things we've been waiting to do. And so, yeah. I mean, we've got <laughs> some fun things coming out. So, you know, you never know how it's going to go. Right. And, um, I definitely don't know how it's going to go, but I know that we are putting our best foot forward and I know that Target and Belly, while I feel like great potential yes. partners and they really um, do. They feel very, so does Barbie and Belly Welly, yeah, by the I, way. You know what? Here's my thing. I reached yeah. out to Barbie a year and a half ago about a partnership yeah. before I knew about the Barbie movie. I and guess Barbie would not, be amazing. I know <laughs> they were not into it. So I'm like, I'm like. I don't know. I'm like a little anti-Barbie because I'm just bitter about it, but I'm, yeah, I'm kidding. But I, I, I tried. Yeah. It's very funny though. I have these, I have this like fantasy. I don't know. You, I don't think you listen to the show, but people who listen to the show, like they know I have like these little fun side projects that I would love to do like CPG, the musical or like CPG, the board game. I'd also really love to do like, Barbie Whole Foods, Barbie Airwant, Barbie <laughs> Barbie Walmart, Barbie Co-op, Barbie, oh, you know, really like that. you know, farm oh, stand, so like just, you know, cause I just think there's just, or even like the, a Teletubby or a, you know, I don't know, some sort of, that's so amazing. Just, I would, you know, I just, think, I would love the Barbie retail edition. Like I can picture I know, Barbie, I know. Barbie. I mean, that's so good. But I also really like, I mean, Erwan Barbie would be fantastic. Um, oh, I just think, I feel like maybe, I know her. Yeah. I know. I know. I, I think I could end up getting like snarky on some of them. So I wouldn't be oh, the ones for to. Sure. But that's like the best part. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. It would be fun though. Um, okay. So 
our time is kind of up. Um, I had other little questions, but I'm just, it's awesome. I so appreciate you coming on the show. I mean, I didn't know, I knew of you before I knew that it was belly welly, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's this thing out there and it's pink and it's sparkly and it's talking about IBS. And then, you know, now my whole team, like, I think you're going to see some orders coming through from us. So, um, really great job. Best of luck at Target. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. And, um, I just thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am so grateful that you just took time to listen, right? Which like a, it's like a, it's like therapeutic, right? You're, it's like a venting yeah. session. <laughs> so like, I yeah. just really appreciate it. And so in awe of what you have built. Um, I should have started with that, but uh, the coconut cashew sauce is a staple in our house. So anyways, oh, just, good. I mean, oh, obsessed. Um, yeah. I love it. Thrilled to hear it. Um, well, yes. thank you. And um, no, you're just, yeah. Um, yeah, thank you so much. And I just, I love the, I love the shared excitement about community and people yeah. and kind of what matters at the end of the day in all of this. And yeah, um, yeah we'll have to arrange an, a, a sidebar to talk all things dating. And I'll, I'll uh, I know I'm fascinated. Stories. And I'm going to look up for like <laughs> my, my daughter's like Patty Stanger outfit. I got to see that photo. Seriously, Patty, again, I hope you're listening. Yeah. I finagled like some. Bravo thing where she got to meet her. Um, I'm trying to remember. It was like, I knew someone who knew someone and I was like, this is going to be, I'm not a star person. I'm not like a celebrity person. Like I don't really know or care that much. And so I was like, I'm going to use my one chip with someone <laughs> who is in the know who has, and it's going to be for Patty Stanger. Um, <laughs> it's not you know because i don't whatever the other ones like were i didn't even know anyway it was very funny they were like oh, okay so yeah the people aren't banging down the door to get into that one just yeah you know, you're gonna be okay on that one yeah yeah you're good you're good you have another chip if you need it um anyway thank you liam for um engineering as always and um listeners thank you for being you I have to tell you, my ops team, you know, they're a little less sort of, um, let's call it optimistic <laughs> than, than me and the marketing team, just about life in general. I think operations people tend to be a little bit more serious. And they are all just like, 2023 is turning around. The freight's getting easier. Supply chain's getting easier. Things are loosening up. More of that. I we think need more of that. That's great. Keep that coming. Here I say, I know. I think. I think it's gonna. I think. I don't even want to say it, but I think this thing that everyone's been thinking has been gonna come and crash down on us for however long. I don't. I think it. I don't think it is. I think we're in good shape. The rest of 2023 is going to be good. 2024 is going to be amazing for all of us. Um, and I will be back next week with another episode of In the Sauce. In the Sauce is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.